Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello, and my name is Kate Hudson-Hall, and welcome to Bulimia Sucks, because it does. So these are real stories from people who are suffering with an eating disorder or who have suffered with an eating disorder. It's about life with an eating disorder. It's... um. It's a platform for people to share relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations based on bulimia and anorexia. So people's victories and challenges and the episodes will include their personal stories of where they are now and their difficult journeys and their steps taken into recovering from their eating disorder. Now, are you ready? Our guest today is Nikki Lampy now Changin. So Nikki, did I pronounce it right? <laughs> yes, very well. <laughs> oh, thank you. So Nikki lives in California with her husband, David, and their children, Cole and Callie, and the dog, Buddha. <laughs> she strives to empower others and inspire conversations. She's earned a bachelor's degree in English from the University of California and a master's degree in computer science from California State University of Fresno. And Nikki is also the author of her new book called Starting Tomorrow. It's so exciting. It's a fiction book about a young girl with an eating disorder. So welcome, Nikki, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know, I'm so excited to have you on. So let's start off. And Nikki, tell us about your experience with your eating disorder. I think around sixth grade was when I can remember starting to think about my size and thinking about wanting to be smaller so you're age 11. Yes. That yes. was kind of about the time I started measuring myself against people. Am I bigger? Am I smaller? How do I look compared to them? And, and the beginning of the diet mentality. Oh, if I don't eat this, if I don't eat all day, kind of experimentally. And yeah. then that gradually went to, you know, and as you I got older and went through puberty and then it was even, it went from being a child, you know, and, and developing. And so then that had its own set of challenges. And finally about junior year is when I, I kind of discovered bulimia for real and sort of thought of it as the magic solution. Like, Oh, now I can eat everything I want and I can just get rid of it. So did you, how did you hear about it? Or did, was it, you don't remember how? 
Um, I don't know that I heard about it. It was just like, I can always remember, you know, that urge to eat and just wanting to eat until I felt comfortable. You know, it was a very comforting thing. So I would eat and eat. I can remember wishing, I can remember talking to my friends, don't you wish you had a little compartment in your stomach and you could eat everything you want and then just open it up and take it out. And so the only alternative was to throw up. I mean, you know, you don't have a door. So it was just like a natural thing. And sometimes, you know, if you binge, you know, that's how you feel. You feel sick. So to me, it was a very natural thing, but then I tried it. It's not easy, you know, to make yourself throw up your body does not want to do that. So at first I thought, Oh, I can't do this. But I, I mean, insanely, it became almost a challenge. Like, well, I, of course I can, if I commit myself to it. And it is one of those things, the more you do it, it gets easier and it never gets less awful though. I have to say, but, um, it, uh, just becomes a way of life. And then I read this article. I will never forget reading this article. In so how old were you? So I used to, how old were you now? About, I was 16, about 16. Oh, so around um, the time, right. Yes. And it kind of went together quickly because I had dabbled in it, you know, just, Oh, maybe if I ate a really, a lot of food, but I read this article that said, um, most bulimics are 10 to 20 pounds overweight. And I mean, that switched something in my head. And I was like, I am not going to be one of those bulimics. I'm going to be the skinny bulimic. And that just ran. And that article, when I think back, how much it missed the mark, it, I mean, how really it was so non-insightful. It was just, un, it's unbelievable that that, you know, I don't, I wish I kept it. That would be great. But so that was really where, and then it was just became almost a mission. Like now I'm going to really do it in earnest as if it was, you know, like a good thing. And then, so did anybody and then I started, no, well, I take that back. Not at first. And then a friend of mine knew and that was okay. But that's a, I can't really share that story because that's not all about me, but yes, one person knew, but not in a way like, Oh, this is bad way. Just kind of like, Oh, we're paralleled. You know, we both sort of enabled each other. It wasn't um, in a helpful way. It was still very much a secret and very negative. Yeah. So Then my, uh, my mom found out because I mean, so it's such an awful, it's such an awful feeling when you do that, because when you binge you, there's evidence of binging. And so like, I would, this is embarrassing. I mean, you know, this is why I think it's so hard for people to talk about what I would, um, eat junk food and put the wrappers under my bed and then my mom found them and she just knew because there's no way I could be eating that food and not be heavy and I wasn't I I didn't look anorexic I looked just normal you know and so that's why nobody would be like nobody would even suspect I that I had an eating disorder because I didn't look too skinny and I didn't look heavy I just looked normal 
but not to me. To me, I looked heavy, but. But to everybody else, you look just of a normal. I looked average. Yeah. But then, so, and that was when, and then I saw a therapist. It was not a good fit. And then I was determined that I was going to figure it out myself. I don't need a therapist. I don't need these people. Mom, I'm going to, and I was so sure I could do it. And that feeling is kind of where my book starts. That feeling like I'm going to do this by myself. And then um, I came to a point where I realized like I have absolutely no control. I cannot, you know, after, oh, maybe if I do this, oh, maybe if I do this, but as soon as I would start not eating well or gain a few pounds, you know, I lived by the scale, I would just freak out. And then the whole urge to, to make myself feel better, which is by eating would come back. And then once I came to that point, I, uh, I found a new therapist, my mom helped me find a new therapist. And that was the beginning of really getting better in that, uh, in with bulimia itself. And so, so what, age you know, you, what age were you then? Um, I was really, I was 17 when I, I mean, it was really only a year of active purging like that, but maybe we could go into it later. What was underneath it has perpetuated itself in multiple, has shown itself in different ways throughout my life. So while I was never bulimic again, and I actually developed a pretty healthy I do, especially now, have a healthy relationship with food and my body. It it appeared different places, you know. Yeah. So yeah, compulsive behaviors and. So. so that's interesting. So you found a therapist, and how do you know that that person was the right therapist for you? Because, what made you the right therapist? Right. Well, I just I remember you know, she would just ask questions and listen. And she had me do this. I remember her saying, you know, could you just for a week, not write down or worry about what you ate? And I remember being like, you're insane. No. I mean, do you know, I mean, I'll probably gain 20 pounds in a week because I am a maniac and I cannot, I must control myself always. You know, that was my mindset. And she was so gentle about it. And, you know, she, she wasn't like, you have to. She just said, just try it for a week. And I, I just remember thinking, you just have no idea. But because that really did cause a shift in me. It was like the very beginning of the possibility that I wasn't as much of a maniac as I had made myself out to be. Like, maybe maybe there's hope for me. And it was just, so she, by making that suggestion and me trying it, it was just a week, you know, it was terrifying. I was like, but I did it, you know, like I ate what I wanted to, and I did not throw up. And I mean, that feeling, anyone who has experienced that it's, it's overwhelming. And she also told me every time, and these, she did this all in this first session, she said, Every time you don't throw up, you're telling yourself you're worthy. You're worthy of that food. You're worthy of nourishing yourself. And that really resonated with me. So 
every time I would be sitting there in just massive panic, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is turning into fat. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing. You're just so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then I would say, but it's nourishing me. It's nourishing me. It was always like this prayer to myself, but the, to the food, you know, like, okay, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I mean, yeah, I'm not believing it, but I'm like a mantra to get me through the massive panic. And then, yeah, so that was so helpful and it just established a trust. That's how I knew because what she suggested worked, you know, not in that like, oh, magic, I'm all good. But in the way that I started, I felt an ease, uh, just like this little glimmer of hope. Like I don't have, I, there actually is a possibility. I don't have to live like this. And that's what you need, isn't it? You need that little glimmer of hope in order to be able to I think that's part of what it is to be able to put put your toe on that first step to recovery I think so too yeah and it's figuring out specifically what it is for you individually mm-hmm. yeah and I that's that's interesting as well because it was a bit like an affirmation I'm worthy that she sort of yeah. guided you towards, wasn't it? And an affirmation yes. is is also um, it's working with the unconscious mind and giving direction to that unconscious mind of the direction, the positive direction that you want to go in, and yes. getting it to kind of reprogram so you're it's going to help you to go on along that pathway, along that direction. So absolutely, yeah. That you know, I was listening to your last podcast and how you ended it with a visualization of where you want to be, you know, and, and it is very, and you were talking about unconscious mind. And I I think it is very much, you know, if you can put yourself into that state and a mantra or an affirmation is just same thing, right? It's reprogramming you. And you, so a lot of people say, Oh, I feel ridiculous saying that. I mean, I use affirmations that has been, I, that is one of my major tools. And it's so easy to go back to because you don't have to believe it. It just works. I think. yeah, And that's all you have to do is trust that it will work. (laughs) Do it. For people that don't know. So an affirmation is a short, simple phrase that you would repeat over and over and over to yourself. And I work with affirmations with my clients and I say, okay, so we create a good positive. It's important you word it all in the positive and you don't have any negative words in there. And I tell my clients, right, so I want you to repeat this a hundred times a day. And they look at me, what? (laughs) Right. Like we were saying, it's working with the unconscious mind and reprogramming the unconscious mind and getting it and to refocus and get you focused on the good direction that you want to go in. So they're so powerful, but people don't realize how powerful they are. And and like you said, how it has to be in the positive. And, And then when you reframe, because the universe does not hear negative, you know, it's like, if you say, I don't want to, what your unconscious or the universe hears, I want to. And your unconscious and the, you know, the universe wants what you want. So if you say, I don't want to throw up, the universe is like, oh, she wants to throw up. Well, 
I'm going to help her or you're unconscious. I'm going to help her. So you have to say what you want. And, and that's like it, then it, it really folds into so many things in your life. Like, uh, don't forget X, Y, Z. Remember, I remember. And like those visualizations of picturing yourself, remembering that thing that you need to bring. And saying, yeah. I remember and that. Re- and I know help I get to the door, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then just, right. I mean, you can always come back to your favorite. I am worthy is probably, you know, I am enough. That is my affirmation and the, the heart of uh, what I, you know, I am always, I'm, I have no problem knowing that the entire world that everyone in it is enough but sometimes you know it's like that's why I'm always talking about it I just read my own things but but it helps you know you get off track and then you go what is that thing I'm supposed to say oh yeah I'm enough (laughs) (laughs) so so good I love it I love it so then what happened after that then so you found your therapist and then you started to break the bulimic patterns. Yes. But then, and we started, you know, we, we really worked on some of the stuff that was beneath it, but there wasn't that much time because then I went away to college. And so I stopped seeing her. I saw her every week for about six months. And then I went to college and I was really doing well because I wasn't throwing up anymore. It really was not even an option. It was kind of like, you know, if you had an addiction and you just, you were sober, you know, you just, it's not an option. So in that way, I was very much, I was much healthier, you know, then it manifested in um, college as drinking, you know, total binge drinking. And that was that same, it's that same comforting, like, I don't want to look at those feelings. I don't want to. And so getting drunk is a great way to not look at your feelings. You know, you just, and so that's what happened then. And still all the while um, I did see another therapist, you know, always doing self-work, but not really recognizing the pattern and what was underneath each thing. So, and not really realizing that they were related. I didn't realize that. So then after that, I went into the extreme exercise. So after college, I ran five marathons. I did um, all these triathlons and that's another thing. So like another way of avoiding it, but in the guise of something good for you, right? I'm exercising, I'm completing a marathon. I mean, how could anyone say anything bad about that? But it's all about the mindset behind it. You could be doing that and it's not necessarily unhealthy, but what I was doing was unhealthy. So what, what, was, what was your mindset behind that then? Um, not having to really look at things. You know, it gave me something externally to focus on. All right. Okay. Yeah. I have this goal. And then it, the bonus that I don't even think, you know, I, it was in the back of my mind, I would never admit you're burning thousands of calories a day because you're running so much. You never have to think about what you're eating. Yeah. You can have a binge. No, doesn't even matter. 
you don't put on any weight and but you pretend it's all you're just I mean for me just lying to myself you know it just not even lying consciously just you know creating a story and this is what I'm doing and framing it all up like all it's all good right it seems good but but I think then then I had children and you know it's still there's other ways that there's a million ways that I won't go into because they're not as clear but where I could see this pattern coming up when I went to write this book was when I thought oh I recovered from bulimia maybe if I write a book a fiction book you know maybe it maybe that will help people or I just thought I that's something I could write about because I know about it so that's what I thought and then I started to write down my whole story because I started writing the book and then I was like, wait, I don't even know what I, what am I saying? So I wrote it down and the pattern just became clear. And I mean, that was about probably 15 years ago, you know, so it was a long time and that, and then it's just becoming clearer and clearer. Everything I do then is like a step in my healing. So you know, I, I wrote this book. First, it was sort of autobiographical. Then um, I rewrote it to be set in the current time. Now it is fictional with totally informed though by my experience. But it was amazing what I didn't see. How you, I with all that self-work, I mean, it still amazes me. I still, you know, you're just like, okay, I've got that figured out. <laughs> you're like oh god it's there again (laughs) so I I mean right even just I publishing the book has just been and that's only been that was in December so January February March three months the amount of healing really growth from doing that it's unbelievable in this last three months you mean yes yes so you think, or I, you know, I think, oh, I, I have an understanding of what it, my underlying thing is. And then, you know, something new will come up. And I think, oh, you know, I have, because I have done so much work connecting to my body, I know the signs. I know that feeling, that feeling that in high school or actually junior high, elementary, would have sent me to food and still does. I mean, still like if I find that compulsion, oh, sugar is a thing for me. If I find myself, ooh, I should have some sugar, that I know that. And I know to sit with that and kind of see, okay, like what's going on? So what what is the feeling that happens before you need the sugar? What are the thoughts and the feelings? Um, it's an anxiety and a feeling of not being safe. Where is is it inside? Yes, yes. It's a stomach, mostly in my stomach. Okay. A constriction. Right. So, and I just want to hide. I just want to run away and just be like, oh, I wish I didn't say anything to anyone. And I just want to go back to when nobody knew anything. And almost like when I didn't know anything, you know, ignorance is bliss. (laughs) You're just (laughs) like, 
I'm just walking around. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Sure, I get mad and sure I binge, but everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some that comfort in that sometimes. <laughs> but I, yes, and so that is what um, I'm so glad I have these tools. I'm so glad I did not publish this book. I mean, that's what feeds into my belief that and you know things happen when they're supposed to happen and I wasn't ready I wasn't ready 15 years ago to publish this book yeah not even close so Nikki so what what uh what are the tools that you have so when you get that anxiety in your stomach so then what do you do I try to be still and look at it remember that my body is my friend and my body is telling me something. My body's trying to get my attention. So there's something I need to pay attention to. There's something. So I, I try to look at it like it's, um, you know, give myself a little separation from it. It is not me. Yeah. Yeah. It is this. Do you take Yes. Yeah. Like, right. I, I create a little distance and then I look at it. Yeah. And I try to, you know, it takes some of the power away from it. And what does it look like? um, I think it's like a hot, it's very fiery. Okay. Scary, like destructive. Yeah. um, Lava like, you know, and sometimes it's different. You know, it's not always the same. It depends on what the, what the thing is, but I would say that's the most common feeling I have about it so you take it so you take it out and then you look at it Mm -hmm. and then what do you do with it so you've distanced yourself from it I well I mean it sounds corny but I try to be grateful for it and ask you know say okay thanks for getting my attention what is it what what is it what do you need need look at what do you need yeah like looking at at, as part of me but not part of me but it's like something that needs to be nurtured yeah instead of pushed away yeah and that that's the difference it's like I I have to push it away a little to to get perspective yeah yeah but then I can go oh it's kind of like how you're it's so easy to be gentle with somebody else and understand like, oh, I know what you're feeling and you're so empathetic. And then yourself, you just, you know, taskmaster. So that's what I, I try to be gentle. And then do you say to it, so you ask it, what is it that you want or what do you need? Then what do you do with what, what comes back or what comes into your mind? The immediate thing, it doesn't, I don't always have an answer. But the immediate thing that almost always happens within about five minutes is just that feeling of out of control. It just starts to subside. So like, and so it gives me that peace right there. Now I may, because what it's trying to tell me, it might be a big issue, you know, issues go so deep. So I may not be able to process it at that moment, but it might give me a glimmer of like, hmm, sometimes you have thought like, oh, that's really about, it's rarely about the thing. It's always about something that it reminds me of or, so 
is the pattern quite often it's bringing up feelings that from the past that you've had before or not? Yes. Feelings of maybe not being able to say what I want to say. Things like that, like afraid of being myself, afraid of speaking my mind, afraid of being as large as I want to be. You know, it's like, no, those, wherever that comes from, you know, um, you need to fit in this box. You can be opinionated, but not too opinionated and don't offend people. And not that I want to offend anyone, but I'm always measuring like, ah, what are they going to think? Or am I going to upset them? Is that going to, that kind of thing that has been my whole life. And those are the you know, that's, it's really restrictive and, and the freedom to, so that's where I want to be. is just the freedom to, to be me and to be out, be exposed, I guess, you know, without worrying. Yeah. It's an exposure thing. And I think without all the criticism going on in your head. Right. And, and um, yes, I have, that's my whole life. So it's not surprising to me that it's still that hardwired response. You know, it's like the reptilian brain. It's, it's there. So it's important. I talked to, like you said, it's okay. You're safe. It's okay. It's like, remind, you know, you don't have to run away from the, the not dinosaur. Cause there were not what, um, you know, the bear <laughs> or whatever, the thing that's going to eat you. You don't, you don't have to run away. You're not, you're safe. You're safe that whole thing but I just yeah I do I so the tools for me are just essential no matter how far I progress I mean I don't know I hope I don't ever stop you know I don't I don't really expect to get to this place where I'm have no more stuff to dig up <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you know then we all we will there'll be new stuff there's exactly dresses and things that are just like you know they're, they're never ending aren't they never yeah. ending yes <laughs> so so nikki when you think back to so when you were well before the bulimia started if you could tell yourself something back then would what would you tell yourself i always think what would i tell myself and what would i listen to you know, like, <laughs> would I listen? I don't know. But I think I would tell myself, your body is your friend. I would say, listen to it. It's not an enemy. It's not something to control. Yeah. It is your connection on this earth. Like if I could come, I would, I would say, it's how you get your, it's not like, I used to always think like, oh, my mind is like the, the thing and my body's just this sort of inconvenient thing that never does what I want to do and gets me around. Mm-hmm. And I think I would really try to get myself to, to start looking at it differently that your, your body is your connection to this world and it's how, but not in a way like, so you must take care of it. That never resonated with me. I was always like, yeah, whatever. I it just, but more in that it's so intelligent and it tells you things. And when you're anxious or you're angry, listen to it. Don't be like, oh, it's bad to be angry and then push that aside. 
I would say, you're angry for a reason. Like, look at your anger, what's underneath it. Your body is really smart and listen to what it's saying. And if you're nervous and you want to eat, that helps too. So eat, but while you eat, figure you pay attention. What is it? Why are you eating? And let it help you. That helped me a lot. I have to say, I mean, this is not your question, but it does make me think of something in the evolution of healing. There are different phases, at least there were for me. I was at, for a long time, I had to still binge when I felt that discomfort, you know, and it was, but it was like, I gave myself permission to do it and I let it do what it wanted to do for me. I let it comfort me instead of binging and then being like, Oh, I'm such a horrible person. What did I just do? And the whole negative spiel, I would be like, okay. So I just let myself nourish myself and that's what I needed. Right. That's what I needed. And, and there was a point in my a long time, I'd say 10 years that I had to do that until now where I am now, where I can actually be like, okay, what's this about? I mean, that took so many years and, but being easy with yourself, you need to eat well, then eat, but let it, let whatever it is, let it help you. I mean, it's weird, you know, I need to eat chocolate. Okay. So eat chocolate and let it make you feel better and realizing you're nourishing yourself. It's like these steps in taking care of yourself and allowing you, you know, you're like building a a new trust. It's like somebody who has betrayed you for your entire life. They're, they're slow to trust you. So to me, it's like building trust back with yourself, like re reestablishing your relationship with yourself. Yeah. And I think for many people, they, they feel this is such a, an engulfing disease that they forget that there is a link between the brain and the body. Yes. And it's tuning into that mm-hmm. and what your body is telling you and not listening to a lot of what's going on up here. Right. Tuning more into here. Yes. Yes, because if it worked, if you could control it from here, we'd all be great, wouldn't we? Yeah. I mean, we, it's not like, oh, gosh, I didn't know that was bad for me. I mean, <laughs> if you could just be like, well, here's what's good and here's what you should. I mean, that's why dieting doesn't work. That's why all those things don't work. They come from here. And this is where we live. Yeah. yeah. Here in a physical body. So yeah. that's where we got to start. So now, Nikki, I I want to um, spend some time talking about your book. Such a beautiful <laughs> book. Oh, thank you, my sister Denny Lampy Moleski. She designed the cover. She's an artist. Did she? It's she fabulous. Did. I love that feather. What what was this uh, symbolizing here? Um, that is the feather from one of the visualizations that she does. Um, she the therapist has her do a visualization where she holds a baby chick and she looks at it and uh, she's studying it and, uh, and looking at how fragile it is. And then 
imagining that somebody wants to hurt it and those feelings of protection for this baby chick. And then, then the therapist has her transition into now picture that that's you, that that's a small version of you or you as a baby. And, and then for her in the book, and this really, this was something that one of my therapists did, or maybe I even maybe read it. And um, it was just so powerful for me because it, transferring when you can feel that love that you can feel for something like that, like a baby or a chick or, and you can feel it and see that innocence in yourself. It's, it's really transforming. And so um, it's just such a helpful way because you, you know, people like love yourself, like, (laughs) yeah, if it were that easy, we all just, what does that mean? Exactly. It's really hard to connect to. And um, so that's what that is. And then the feather, um, the feather falls and she puts it in her journal, but, um, and then the feather will come back and we're, I'm working on the second one. So the feather's kind of a, I just, I, I don't know. There's so many things I think about the feather a lot that it ended up being such a, a central part of it. it. It sort of surprised me, but such a symbol. So, so tell us about the book. Um, well, it's about Mackenzie Stewart, Mac, and she's 16. She's junior in high school. And she starts this journal at New Year's Day. She is just determined to stop throwing up. She, her New Year's resolution, stop doing things that are bad for me. And she She is certain that if she writes down all of her things and keeps this record, she's going to be able to stop because her goal is be thin, stop throwing up. And because all of the negative things are starting to happen, the physical things that happen when you throw up, you, you know, her, her hair is starting to fall out. She's got dark circles under her eyes. She breaks out Um, just like the, the scariness. And this is, I'm talking about her, which is that part is very autobiographical in in the experience with it but um hiding it the stress of hiding throwing up is just unbelievable and eating when you need to eat a lot where do you get the food where do you eat it it you know it's really it's like it's whole it takes over your life so she's feeling that it's just sort of implied in the book but um then she starts, as she starts writing down her, the things she's eating and her exercise, she starts writing about her friends and writing about her family. And, and she begins to start looking at things and then it takes its course and, um, you know, she gets worse before she starts to get better. And, you know, she has, she has a therapist that does not work. And then, you know, finally meets a therapist that connects with her. And in the meantime, her friends are having problems as well. But she, before, she, when she started this journal, she's just so self-absorbed, um, which I can totally relate to. It's like, you think somehow because you have a problem that you couldn't possibly be self-absorbed, like, cause you're so damaged. How could I be self-absorbed? But you're so absorbed in your own problem. You don't see anybody else. And so as she starts to get better, she starts seeing these things um, in her friends. And um, so she has uh, London, Rachel and Skye. Those are her three best friends. And they, they all have their things. 
Um, and part of it is seeing the similarities and as they start sharing and then one person shares their issue. And even though it's not the same issue, it's like the, the, that relief and it's the beginning of um, all of them healing. So it kind of, it's like, it was her journey to heal. And then she started to heal. And I like that idea, you know, the more we heal ourselves, then the more we connect with people and then the more other people start to heal, you're not healing them, they're healing themselves, but it's by joining together that that happens by sharing. So that's, that's the theme under it, but that, that's, you know, there's lots of, there's also boys, you know, and there's, um, she likes one boy, lots of drama. And I, I just think that's fun. I, I tried to make it, I've made it big font, short chapters, yeah. um, emojis, charts, yeah. She writes in different ways. She's like, I'm going to write, this is a play. I'm, she writes like newspaper articles because she likes to pretend she's writing about herself. And um, I wanted it to be something that was very easy to pick up and you would just get into it. And, and if you're not, you don't necessarily have to get a message from it. I mean, you can just read it because it's a fun book. So I like that because sometimes I find myself the, when something comes at me too directly, I'm, especially when I was young, I, you know, I'm like, I know this, like, don't, you know, I, I just immediately, I'm not ready to listen, but I was, that's why I picked doing a fiction because then I thought, you know, you might see yourself in the main character or somebody else or something just like a word might resonate with you and make you think just a little differently. Like, huh. so that, that's my hope that, you know, it's, it's fun. I hope it's fun and people read it. And then the rest of it, if it resonates with you, you know, and there are lots of tools in it too. So maybe and I, that's helpful too. Like you might read it and just say, oh, yes, please. Um, Go ahead. What I really love is like the big font and there's lots of room and it's not cramped and just full of words that a lot of people find what I do. <laughs> or I particularly did when I was younger and when I had bulimia, there weren't really any books out there. And the books that they mm -hmm. were, they were just like, it's just like solid writing. I couldn't really read it because it was just all too much. But with this nice big font and lots of space, it was really good. And what I really oh. loved was like your last couple of lines. Where, where oh. you said, um, um, my reflection, I love you too. When you said, I love you into the mirror and then the reflection. What a fantastic ending. Oh. I love that. And so you're writing the second, like a sequel to go with this. Yes. And the second one, she's a senior in high school. And now she's not throwing up, but she's still uh, um, really her relationship with food and to her body. And um, so what I try, I'm trying to do in the second one is look at the subtleties because a lot of people, it's like, well, I'm not bulimic, I'm not anorexic, so I must not have a problem, you know, instead of like looking at the nuances and, and it doesn't, it's like, 
just because something's not definable or, you know, and, and so, and then I, I also look a lot at um, social media and um, talk, you know, talk about other ways that we consume, you know, we consume media, we consume food and some of those things. And then, and there's all sorts of still the, the, um, there's other life issues, you know, like she has a boyfriend and then there's another thing and then something, you know, there's some plot twists and all these things come together and there's all sorts of, I mean, there is so much more going on with these people that you don't know about. I mean, my first book, the first draft was 50,000 words longer than the final. And it's not, I didn't take it out because it wasn't, it didn't happen, you know, in this story. I just was like, well, it's really long. I just, it, it's irrelevant. So I would take it out. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of little threads and things that just to keep you moving along because I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. And if, you know, if my target, my target audience is a young adult. So, you know, you want it, move it, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's life right now. So you can't expect people who, you got to keep things moving. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So, is there anything else that you want to tell us about your book? Um, well, I think I don't know. I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy it as a as a teen. It's fun to read. I think yep. as an adult, it's nice to get, especially if you are. Well, there's two reasons. If your child, you don't have any idea what's going on in their mind that I think that this is a good glimpse. Yeah. Um, it yeah. helps. And then I also think um, it, it gives good tools. And, and if you're an adult, sometimes remembering how you felt then is the key to understanding yourself now you know, and, and remembering some of that stuff. So I think that's why I, I like to read some young adult novels because it reminds you, you know, you're, even though you're all over the place when you're a teen, you are really powerful. Like you have a sense of your power. And I think yeah. that's super helpful to connect to. And I think everybody, no matter what your age, it, knowing it's like it's a benefit of connecting to that power but having the age so you know kind of maybe a little better how to use it is a great combo yeah so it can kind of remind you oh yeah I used to feel like that where did that go just bring it back it's there it's still there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely let me go find it quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay Nikki well we've we've run out of time Time has just flown. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and so where I can people it. where can people find you? And where is the uh, my website is website probably you could start there, which is Nikki Now, which is N-I-K-K-I-N-A-L, just short for my last name. Um, and you can find you can find the book on Amazon. Right now it's for sale in Fresno locally here in Fresno. Um, and uh, let's see. And then I have, um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And you can just look up my name and you'll find me. Okay. And, I have and, and they're all under uh, Nikki, N I K K I N A L. 
Yes. And your website, so it's uh, nikkinow.com. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. And there are links to my to my social media on the website too. So. Yeah, yeah. So excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us today. It's been... Thank you, Kate. You know, there's been so much information and people can, I believe, will be able to um, learn so much from what you've told us here today. So, you know, a huge thank you to you. So that's it. It was a pleasure. Sorry. Oh, no, thank you. So it's excellent. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. No, it's been great having you on. So that's it for today. So join us again on the next episode of Bulimia Sucks. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Plus, if you haven't already heard about it, check out my book called Bulimia Sucks on Amazon. Um, And also um, show some love and some support by uh, leaving us a review on your favorite podcast channel, however you listen, Um, and make sure that you join our Facebook group, Bulimia Sucks, if you haven't already, where you can connect with like-minded people um, and chat about the ups and downs of where you are in life. So thanks very much for joining us today, and we will see, or I will see you in the next podcast. Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon.